What's up, sports fans? My name is Lucas Weiss, host of the Wee Sports Chronicles podcast. We got a great episode for you today. I'm being joined by Mark Carrig. He's the senior MLB writer for The Athletic. In this episode, we chat with Mark about his journey into sports media, covering the Baltimore Orioles, New York Mets, and New York Yankees, the challenges of covering a big market versus a small market, as well as his transition over to the athletic, covering baseball on the league-wide level. Fernando Tatis, as well as a feature he wrote last year on Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, and the under-18 American national team. The Wii Sports Chronicles is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Now let's get to today's episode with Mark Crick on the Wii Sports Chronicles. All right, on today's episode of the Wii Sports Chronicles, I am joined by Mark Krig. He's a senior MLB writer for The Athletic. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. How are you? I'm, I'm great. And, and listen, I, I, I had your co-host of Beyond the Scrum, Andy McCullough, on a few months ago. And, and I, and I got to say that you, you definitely outdid him with your background. But listen, I, I got to start by, you know, I, I, I can't ignore just, you know, this esteemed hat collection. I mean, wh- how, how long did it take you to collect all these hats? Did people just start donating hats to you? I mean, wh- where did this all come from? Um, so this started, God, 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah, I've always been a baseball fan. and. Um, it was like one of my first jobs in high school. I remember uh, the first day I was going to buy a cap and it just sort of grew from there. Like I, you know, back in the day, right. So this is before you could just buy anything online. Like I mean, you still buy stuff online back then, but it wasn't as easy as it is now. One of the things that I would love to do is just find like some mom and pop sporting goods shop. And you'd end up with these like amazing deals on there. Yeah. You know, this was before, like this craze, the throwback craze. So you would just see these rando, you know, like I, I remember buying three ball caps. One was a brown cap. Another one was an angel, maybe like an old cub hat with a piping that was white, like from the middle 50s. And it was like $15 for the three. Wow. And yeah, you don't get that anymore. So part of it was just that was fun to sort of, you know, be somewhere find a place like that and clean up and it just sort of grew from there got a little out of control to be honest with you i know but 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 i like uh i like the blue jays represent just behind you it's uh you know one of their old retro logos so it's uh so it's good to see but listen mark really happy to to have you on the podcast and we'll we'll talk about your your career and, and covering baseball but i know that a lot of my listeners are blue jays fans and you wrote a piece during the, during the pandemic before baseball started ranking ballparks and you ranked uh, the, the Rogers center in your top 20. So I got to ask you, I mean, what, what do you like so much about coming to Toronto and, and, and covering baseball at any time that you've been here? So like, you know, this is going to sound like this is a cheap pop cause I'm on your pod right now and you're <laughs> from, you know, right near Toronto, but like, I love Toronto. Yeah. It's, just, it's one of my favorite cities. And when I was covering the Yankees, uh, you know, we were there all the time. Mm. And so, uh, you know, just got to know the city, got to appreciate the city, kind of like being in this different place because, um, you know, Canada is a different place. And mm-hmm. it's just, it was fun for me to explore some of the little differences. And I think through the years had fun with kind of learning all these things about Canada, about Toronto, um, and so that was totally just bias on my part, 100%. I just, you know, because the ballpark itself is like, it's fine. You know, I don't think it's horrible like some others would, would say. And it's certainly not, you know, some crown jewel in the sport or anything like that. Um, but it is kind of a distinctive place to see a game and always had a good experience there. And it definitely got some points because it is in Toronto, which I think it's just a tremendous city. Like I, um, I miss going there as much as I did back in the day for sure. 
No doubt. And Toronto would certainly like to complain about the Rogers Center. Like, and, and there are certainly facets of the park that you can definitely complain about compared to some of the crowd jewels in, in the States. But I will say this, like, come playoff time, like when the Dome is closed and, and, and the Rogers Center is filled to the brim, I know we've only made the playoffs twice in the last decade, but, like, it was exciting. And, and the place is raucous. And, I, and, and Canadians love their baseball, certainly with uh, back-to-back World Series championships in 92 and 93. Yeah, and I mean, the franchise has history. I love that. Um, I love that the fans who are hardcore about the Blue Jays, like, they get pissed when they're not good. No, I know. And they, and they, they don't they show up really to the mad. ballpark. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I, I just, I love that, like, they're, so, you know, there's that stupid stereotype, oh, the Canadians are so nice, and, and Canadians are nice, and, like, there's truth to that. But I also think they're clearly, especially in Toronto, there's some great, sports fans up there right we saw with the raptors obviously more recently you mentioned the blue jays and and all the winning they did back in the day um i remember those teams really 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 well like that was sort of like my wheelhouse of of you know just being a fan and being really into it and i loved watching those teams like they were just a bunch of great players um you know brought together at the right time um, and they were scary good, man. That, those two title teams were scary, scary good. And, you know, I still, I can, I can see, you know, like when I think about it, I can see those guys playing, mm-hmm. you know, like Dave Steve and Jim Key, um, you know, like Alomar, uh, I'll be on and on. You know, I mean, Tom Hankey's big old glasses. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> yeah, like just these random memories of, of these really good ball players, obviously Carter and all that. So, um, you know, Ricky had done his stint up there. Like, I mean, they just, you know, Pat Gillick and what they did bringing those guys together is just pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I was I was born well before, uh, you know, 92, 93. So I, I uh, or after 92, 93, I should say. So I could always see the highlights. And so I'm more used to the 2015, 16 Jays of Josh Donaldson and mm-hmm. Bautista, which was given how like just – that the Jays had had playoff success, which is so exciting for them to finally be able to do it. And I talked with with Andy on that episode, and and Andy was saying like that Jays Royals ALCS in 2015 was some of the best that he covered, and it was it, it was great for for baseball back when uh, back when things were normal. Yeah, I miss that. <laughs> <laughs> so we will go there, Mark, because. Obviously, this is, you know, crazy year, crazy tumultuous negotiations leading up to, to the start of the baseball season. But now that you're, you know, a few weeks into to covering the sport again, what are the challenges of, of covering it now compared to, let's say, a year ago, especially in your role as a national writer where you're covering the league as a whole? Yeah. Um... You know what, Lucas, it's hard to compare because they're so totally different, obviously. So um, I'm going to say it's harder just because never ha- I've never had to do this before, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I haven't been to a ballpark this year. It's, mm. it's August, middle of August, and, and you're like, you, you just said oh, we're a few weeks into the baseball season. Actually, we are... 45% into the baseball season. <laughs> Almost <laughs> half. Like, we are right about the halfway point, and it's wild. Like I, So one of my favorite things about covering baseball is that historically, and this is just part of the, the sports custom, your access is great as a media member. Like, it's great. So one of my favorite things in this role is that, you know, I've covered – baseball long enough where chances are if a team comes through New York where I'm based, I know somebody there, more than one person there. Maybe I know the manager there. Maybe I cover them as a player. Maybe I know all the coaches. Maybe I know the GM. But, but the point is, like, every time a team comes through and there's two cities here, then Philadelphia's an hour away, you know, I know some people there. And, like, a lot of the fun to me was just not even knowing what I was going to write. I mean, showing up, catching up. You know, you shoot the shit for a while. Uh, you talk, and it was remarkable to me 
how many of those conversations led to something cool. Hmm. So I miss that. That is my favorite thing about the job or one of my favorite things about the job. So not having that is just totally different, obviously. And I get why. Like, I mean, that's, you know, the, this is, uh, I think actually Andy had said this, like I listened to a bit of his, his session with you. It's like, you know, I, I'm not going to complain because like, this is not an actual hardship, right? Like there's, there's real hardship. This is not a hardship. This is just something different. So, you know, and I guess in, in the difference is, you know, like I've had to lean on relationships that I've built to this point already. So in one way, that's been cool. Is that like, I'm talking to a lot of different people every day, hearing from people every day and, and you know, probably a little more than normal. And, you know, because that's really the only way I can get in touch with people and, and get a feel for, for what it's like out there right now. And um, to have sort of these comments describing earlier. So a little bit different, um, but, uh, and it is harder because it's new, but you know, like hopefully uh, it's only this year, right? Like, yeah. uh, but I think, you know, this is part of the deal, man. Like you, you adjust to the circumstances that you have in front of you. And so I think, you know, uh, working at the athletic, um, like you can't even get down and be and whine about it because you look around and, and you see your coworkers like just dealing with shit, yeah, and getting it done anyway. And 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 to me, that's like one of the coolest things is that it's like, all right, well, I can sit here and complain about how hard this is or how different it is, but you go on the site and you're just like, damn, that's a good story. Like they're dealing with the same stuff I'm dealing with. Well, I guess I better figure it out too. Right. So, um, you know, that's a long winded answer for it is different, but I think, uh, you know, kind of figuring it out as we go along, which is fine. No, for sure. And like, I think you make, you make two great points, like relying on your relationships. You've been in the industry for a while. So like having that is obviously so important because you can just rely on those people to to pick up the phone and call and figure out what you're going to write about. And then I think what's sad and I think for all reporters are just experiencing this and you touched on it, is just you don't have those one-on-one conversations pre-game, post-game where, where that's how you can differentiate yourself as a journalist by willing to just work the clubhouse and talk to people and find quotes that maybe not many people have. Yeah. For sure. Like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't even do it for quotes per se. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'll tell you what it is. It's like, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's someone I know who, who thinks about things. Let me ask him. Hmm. And so, like, I guess on paper, right, we're journalists. Of course. Someone told me this a long time ago, and it, it, it is so true and it is like one of my favorite things that i've ever heard about this job it's like yeah you're a journalist you're a reporter what you really are is a professional learner Hmm. that's what you are and every time i go into the clubhouse is a shot for me to go learn something Hmm. about this thing that we all watch and appreciate and love but you're never going to know everything so like even this morning you know i'm working on a piece about um guys getting hit by pitch all right Hmm. like the rate is so much higher than it's been. And it's already been going up. But this season, it is way up. And so I don't know why that is. I have no idea why. I can guess at why that is, but I don't know. And I I suspect I'm not going to find a smoking gun answer because that's baseball, right? Like there isn't many smoking gun answers. And if there were, it wouldn't be nearly as cool a game, right? So the fun of it is exploring, hey, why could that be? And then thinking to yourself, like, who's, who are some people that would think about this with me? And then, so somebody today I, I checked with, and they said like three or four things that I just hadn't even thought of. And I've been looking at this for a week, all right? Just bang, sent the text, bam, bam, bam. I'm like, shit, that's smart. Like, wouldn't have thought about that. And it's like the fun of it, and luckily you're still able to replicate this even without being in the clubhouse, is that, you get this idea and you can just kind of follow the trail. And, mm-hmm. and in the process, you're talking to people that you like, that you respect, that respect you, hopefully, that you guys have had some kind of rapport in the past. Like you, you know, and it ultimately just comes back to exploring this really interesting thing together. That is fun. And luckily, been, been able to sort of 
find a way to keep that even without the normal access. Mark, entering this season, what's something that has surprised you in, in watching the game, reporting on the game, that you didn't anticipate coming in? It could be a player, it could be a team, it could be a trend. What surprised you that's pleasantly surprised you about what we've seen thus far? So, you say pleasantly surprised? Yeah, like, like some, I mean, you know, something that I think that, you know, maybe you didn't think of or didn't think would happen that, you know, has happened. It's like, wow, like this is, this is a cool storyline or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, we've seen some young players come through. That's fun. I think Tatis Jr. Hmm. Like the, just sort of, and, and so, you know, your question is, didn't see coming. So like, I think people know that this is a great ball player. So saw that coming. What I didn't see coming was how quickly he just sort of like jumped onto the consciousness of sports, not just baseball, but a couple of days ago, all that nonsense with the 3-0 grand slam, he was being talked about by everyone. Yeah. And it is kind of refreshing to see baseball take that position again. Um, you know, there's a story today that says viewership went up. Mm-hmm. More women are watching. More younger people are watching. Meanwhile, I saw a few days ago, the NBA's ratings are actually down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being in the bubble, maybe that's an effect. But, like, you know, that had been sort of a trend line anyway. So, like, I, I think I didn't see that coming either, that, that people would come flocking to this product in that way. So, um, yeah, like, that's a pleasant surprise. The TV viewership, and also just like Tatis, and whole that. And I guess what I'm saying is that reaction to all of that. It used to be there's like this 50-50 split. You'd have like a camp that's like, hey, get over it, like you know, you should just play the game. And then the other side's like, hey, that's you know, that's against the rules, unwritten rules, whatever. And it's not 50-50 at all. It feels like right now. Like I feel like it is overwhelmingly for Tatis and just playing the game that way. And, you know, you know it's that way when Johnny Bench and Reggie Jackson yeah. are on social media going, the only thing he did wrong was apologize. And it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's, you know, you know, like that's, I think, cool. So, I mean, these debates will happen again because that's just how it is. There's always going to be people that, you know, don't want the game to change at all. And I get it. Like, I totally get it. And I understand it. But I think what the pleasant surprise is, is that with this particular incident, we're talking about, you know, the, I guess like the, the, the unwritten rules, or whatever, you've seen that kind of shift a little more pronounced. It's a more pronounced shift. And I think that's a really pleasant surprise too. Yeah, and look, I think whenever you have a young baseball player getting talked about, like you said, across all sports, that's huge. And like, look, like, let's face it, Mark, like coming into the season, there was a tumultuous negotiation between MLB and MLBPA. You know, social media was, hey, like, like you know, let's go to some other sport. Like, why, why are we, you know, especially in a pandemic, why, why the fighting? Why, why is this going on? And I think for younger people, they need they, they need they need the players to latch on to. Just like in the NBA, you have the Steph Curry's, the LeBron James. And I think that's important to get younger people into the game. And that's something that baseball needs to do. Like, I mean, I love baseball. I'm I'm a young person, but everyone's like me. They'd rather go to some other sports. So I think that's very important because hey, I mean, an older demographic, it doesn't do the sport good when it needs to attract younger people to the game yeah no doubt like, i mean I, I i will say this in defense of baseball and because it's like especially when we have a conversation about this it's so easy to bag on the sport of course. so easy and like and and there are times where it deserves that okay but we have to remember too baseball is unique in its like just reverence for its traditions hmm. One of the other pro sports have nearly the, the depth of history that baseball does. This is why one of the reasons I love it. 
All right. Yeah, for sure. It's just like, it blows my mind that they played this game a hundred years ago. Yeah. That they played the game 150 years ago. Like that, if you really sit and think about that, right? Like professional football a hundred years ago was like some Midwestern yeah. bullshit. No one paid attention to it pastime. Professional basketball, you know, didn't really take off until what, the, the late 50s, early yeah. 60s, when the Celtics became the Celtics. And before that, college basketball was so much bigger. All right. By those points in time, baseball was this established, monstrous cultural phenomenon. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, is it what it used to be? No, but it ain't nothing. And that's really amazing. Right. Boxing is pretty much gone. Horse racing is pretty much gone. Baseball is still a part of our identity you know it is still you know part of our culture it is still got a place and that's really amazing and so you know part of that baggage right i guess is i mean that's maybe not the right word but part of what comes with all that tradition is that inherently pushing back against change like that's just how it goes like you can't have one without the other so Yes, baseball can do a better job getting young people. Baseball can do a better job of dispensing with these stupid-ass arbitrary rules <laughs> that make it harder for a guy like Fernando Tatis to just be good at fucking baseball. Yeah. All right? Yes, that can happen. However, like, there is, I think, a place for respect for those traditions, too. Mm-hmm. And I think the key is to find the balance the key is to take the good part of that and dispense with the shitty parts of that. And I don't think it's that hard. I just think it takes time. And what is, I mean, to get back to the last question, the thing that was great about this Tatis incident, it tells me that, yeah, it's never going to go away, but at least there's been forward progress made on that front. And that's a good thing. Shifting gears now and, and, and talking about your career and, and, and you've had, you know, a real accomplished a career in sports media covering the game. I'm just curious, Mark, when you first started, let you know, at the Washington Post covering, you know, the Orioles, how important were those experiences as a young person covering, you know, a big league team for you going forward in covering the sports that you do now? You know what? I'll even go backwards. Okay. Okay. Like, I think the most important part of my career, like that part of my being like breaking in, right? Mm-hmm. Covering high school sport. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and that's how it used to be. Like if you wanted to get into the business and cover major league sports, that you, you had to pay your dues to do that. Hmm. Like you didn't just graduate from college and end up covering you know, the Baltimore Orioles for the Washington Post. Like that, you know what I mean? Like that didn't happen. Like what you did was you did internships, you, you know, worked at a smaller place. And so in my case, like I worked at my hometown paper, like all the whole time I was going through school. And, you know, a lot of that was covering high school football and high school basketball and track meets and, and you know, stuff that I had no interest in covering, frankly. Hmm. But there's a couple of things that happened during that time that were really important. And, and one of them was, I made a shitload of mistakes, hmm. a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of learning. I asked a lot of bad questions. I asked a lot of no feel questions. I did, you know, I missed deadlines. I, you know, the, the first high school assignment I covered, like I was just finishing the box score and I hit delete on accident, left myself three minutes to write a story. Like it was a nightmare, <laughs> an absolute nightmare. Well, you know what? I got to make all those mistakes in a place that let me make those mistakes and let me get better where I was learning something every day without the pressure of doing it at a level where there's a lot of fans that are depending on you to get it right and to do it well, you know, and like high school sports is just so much smaller. Like it's still important, right? Like you, your communities that, that, that read that coverage, it's important to them, but it doesn't have the same scale. And I think as a young journalist, that was so invaluable. So by the time I got to Washington, I mean, I'm not saying I was a finished product because I wasn't like learning how to cover a baseball teams totally different, but there was a lot of mistakes I had made that were out of my system already. You know, like I knew how to hit the deadline. I knew how to ask a question. I knew how to deal with people who weren't like ready to talk to you. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, mm. it, it just, you learn all of that. Like I remember, you know, getting into it was like this high school football coach that like was insistent that I messed up the stats, you know? And like, I remember double checking, triple checking, like, no, you're wrong. All right. But like having that kind of interaction and having that kind of conflict without it being some major league manager screaming and yelling at you when there's cameras on and a bunch of other reporters there, like learning how to handle that stuff without that kind of attention. I feel like it was a huge, huge deal. So yeah, like I learned a lot early in my career covering Orioles and all that, like no doubt, but honestly, you know, and what, what I really learned and what I think was invaluable was like all those smaller assignments. You know, I'd covered college sports before that same thing. You are learning these things, but it's not nearly the same scale as covering, you know, the Orioles or the Yankees or the Mets where, you know, it is like a daily grind and the pressure is there and it's a really high bar and as it should be right. Like people care about those teams. So but being able to make my mistakes and do some learning before that, I think that's what was a big deal. Before even covering a major league game, was basically going have, having to go do high school sports, keep your own stats, deal with all these personalities, get it all right, hit a deadline, all that stuff, like invaluable. That's a great answer. And, and, and I think there's you know two parts that I, that I really like. I think admitting now that like you did make mistakes, because I feel like a lot of, but a lot of young journalists, they, they, they come in and they're just, you know, they're cocky. They're, they're a bit arrogant. They feel like, okay, you know, I'm going to take on the world. Let's go. And look, it's fine to have big aspirations. But I do think that you need to start somewhere where you can make those mistakes at different beats. You know, high school sports and college sports in your case. And it's just so invaluable. And it clearly in your case, you then take those skills to then, you know, cover major league teams. And for you, Mark, I mean, you, you talked about it in your last answer, just about the, the, the grind and the pressure of working in, in big league markets. I'm just curious if you can just elaborate on that because look, when people think of baseball, they think the Mets, the Yankees, that's, that's the market man for, for, for baseball and, and baseball media coverage. Yeah. Like, well, so I'll back up for one second before we move forward. Yeah. I make mistakes, man. Like, I make mistakes all the time. Mm. Like, it's that, that actually bothers me, this idea that there's, like, this end period. Well, you don't make mistakes anymore. You're now you're this, this person. Well, yeah. no, that's not true. Like, yeah. I make mistakes all the time. I'm learning new shit all the time. Mm. Like, I'm Professional learner. Professional learner. Yeah, I mean, like, really, true, like – you know what I did? I did something really stupid last week, two weeks ago. I was working on a story and like I, I'd come across like this anecdote and, you know, I'd heard it from a couple of people that I trust and it was awesome. Like so awesome that I wanted to lead with it. Story runs, it was up for like an hour, but I woke up the next morning and I had this nagging feeling like, you know, I had plenty of, I had, I had it from people I trusted. It was more than like, I mean, I had enough to run it. But I was still, like, I wake up and it's like, God, that just doesn't feel right. It's too good to be true. I checked with, like, three more people just so I could, like, and, like, one, the first one's like, yeah, I don't think that happened. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Next one's like, yeah, that definitely didn't happen. Like, oh, no. All right? <laughs> so, whatever. Fixed it. Put a note on there. Like, it didn't, like, ruin the story. But, like, it had to be fixed. That was two weeks ago. Hmm. And so, so, I think what scares me is that it's very easy to be like, Oh, I got it. I'm covered. Cause I could have just been like, Oh, I'm covered. I'm fine. Yeah. But like the second you start doing that, that's when bad things happen. That's when like you, you have to know when you made a mistake and I made a mistake, you know, I should have listened to myself. I should have like made those calls before it ran. Okay. Like, and they teach you that. And I know that didn't do it that last time. And it almost I mean, really, I could have been bad. Because then what happens if I don't fix that? If I don't, like, make that call in the morning when I'm like, this still doesn't feel right? Uh, you know, now, like, someone asked the managers, oh, that never happened. Like, how embarrassing is that? Hmm. All right? But, like, it shouldn't have been run to begin with. And that was a horrible mistake. And no one noticed it. Like, I mean, there's a note that says it happened, but no one really – it wasn't like I got crushed for it or whatever. But I know it. Yeah. Okay? I know it. And it's, like, lesson learned again. Yeah. So my point is, man, like – 
you, you don't stop. Like if you've got this figured out, then, then you're, you're deluding yourself. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, and, and, and like, that's not an exaggeration. Like I learned something about how to do this better pretty much every day, mm-hmm. whether it's just a workflow thing or how to ask a question or whomever or whatever, like you, you should always sort of be in the mode to be that way. It's not a, Oh, this is when I made all my mistakes and here's my, here's a finished product. Like, I don't know. For me, it's no, there's no such thing. Like there's no, I wish I could say, you know, on January 1, 2019, that was the last day I made mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could say that, right? Yeah. Like, but it's not. And so, no. but that's good. You know, like I, well, you're constantly think, evolving, right, Mark? Like I think like a lot of journal, like you're constantly evolving. I think for, for younger journalists who are listening to this, it's, you know, every time you write a story, it's a rep. Every time you ask a question in a press conference or a scrum, it's a rep. Every time you cover a game, it's a rep. And it's just constantly just evolving and learning, which I feel like a lot of people, they just feel this pressure to be perfect. And it's fine. I mean, like, it's important to, like, be, you know, as right as you can. But, like, don't be afraid to make mistakes, which I feel like a lot of young people have that fear of and just they, 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 they don't embrace that which is which is unfortunate I think because as you said we're constantly learning we're constantly evolving in the craft yeah like I wish I'm sorry to get off track here no of course it's fine I mean reps is such a great way to look at it like it's exactly the perfect way to look at it and what I find is like you know with, with younger people that are getting in and I guess that's who's watching some of this right like mm. there's this insecurity I think that's the word mm. like you, you have to like show everybody how good you are. Yeah. And part of that, unfortunately, and you have to end up feeling this. I, I certainly, I felt this too, but you have to show everyone that you're on your stuff, that you, you can't make mistakes, that, you, that you're on top of everything. And like what happens there is that you end up not admitting what you don't know. Yeah. And if you don't admit what you don't know, how can you get better? Like you just paper over it and you bullshit your way through and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like you don't actually learn and I think that's where that becomes a problem so as I mentioned earlier you've you know you've covered a lot of big league teams already the Orioles the New York Yankees the New York Mets and I think a lot of people when they think of baseball and baseball media it's it's a grind right in normal times 162 games spring train the lawn grind and, and I'm just curious working in a big market how you evolved to you know navigate a clubhouse and just the pressure of putting out the best stuff when there's a lot of different outlets competing for similar stories so like there's a myth involved here okay but big markets and you mentioned new york and the yankees and the mets yeah that's hard so it's a small market oh yeah there are a lot of ways in which a small market might be harder and i'm gonna give you an example so my first beat was the baltimore orioles Okay, smaller market. But if you wrote something, okay, and it wasn't nice, or it might piss people off or whatever, you would bet your ass that everybody saw it. Hmm. So you'd walk in that room the next day, and because there's only a couple people to read, they all knew who was saying what. Okay, Hmm. and you had to be ready to take it, whatever it was. Like, first of all, if you can't sit there and face up to it and take it, then you shouldn't write it. Yeah. So, but in a small market, that impact is much higher. Like, because in a place like New York, you can write whatever you want, and chances are no one's going to, like, you know, not to, not to say no one's going to see it, but it's more likely it gets lost in this haze of all this coverage. So much, so you can hide. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be the tough guy behind the keyboard and hide and, and write all this nasty stuff and, and a lot of times get away with it because, you know, there's just so much to keep track of. It got lost in the shuffle. Whereas try that in Kansas city. Yeah. Okay. Try that in Baltimore. Good luck. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, good luck. So um, I think that is harder actually because it's a smaller market. What you're writing ends up carrying more weight in a lot of ways. So that's not a small thing. Now, the big city thing, like the difference there to me is like you said, a competition. Like there's so many more people trying to write off this team that you have to find a way to differentiate yourself or you do get lost. And that, I think that is a lot of pressure, um, you know, and it does make you better, but you know, 
one of the things you get better at is getting beat. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to get your ass kicked a lot because there's so many people, a lot of them are good. You're going to get your ass kicked a lot. And you have to be okay with that. You know, like you have to figure out a way to not fixate on getting beat and, and instead channel your energy towards how am I going to make, how is that going to make me better today? So like one thing I, I used to tell myself on the beat, I challenged myself. Like if, if a story happened and I got beat or I was just completely flat footed and everyone else is running circles around me, I tell myself when I go to the park the next day, I'm going to be the most dangerous person here. You know why? Because I'm going to notice everything. I want to talk to people. I'm going to find something. I'm going to get the next one. Okay. And a lot of times it didn't work out that way, but you try. And sometimes it does work out that way. But like, I guess the idea is, and this kind of dovetails with what we we're talking about earlier. Like if, if you're not okay with admitting that you got beat, then you're not going to get better. You're not, you know what I mean? Like you, you sit there and feel sorry for yourself or you like try to like, trick people into believing that you're, you know, getting stuff that you're not actually getting. Like, and, and I don't know, that's just not the way to do it. In my opinion, like you, you get beat, you learn from it, you get better. And so in a big market, I think that's where it shows up. Yeah. Right? It's going to happen more because there's so many more people. Um, <clears throat> but I will say like, you know, the, the, one of the cool things about working in New York for all those years is that, I mean, those two fan bases, they really care. You know, and that, that's not to say the others don't, because that's not true, right? Yeah. But there is a certain intensity here because it is a part of just like the, the, the identity, right? Like if you're from New York, you care about sports. It's such a huge sports town. And, you know, who you root for is a part of your identity. Well, that's a big deal for people. And that's the thing I never forgot. I never forgot that. Like you, you're working for those people. They can't be in the clubhouse, but you can. So, like, you have to remember that. Like, you know, I'm having a bunch of stuff done at the house right now. Like, and, and this is cutting room floor stuff, guys. But, like, Lucas has been very patient today because I've had, like, a leaky pipe turn into just an absolute shit show in the kitchen. So now there's a mold guy in there. There's, like, I mean, it's just all messed up. One of the guys working in the house earlier, big baseball fan. Mm. Big, and he, like, looked at me and went, wait a minute, he's a big Matt fan. Mm. hey you know like and and i love that it happens now and again and it's like awesome because it's a great reminder like when you're working in there it's not just you fulfilling what you want to write or what you want you know what i'm saying like you're you're doing it for other people that can't be there you're doing it for the people like that guy yeah okay where it's a part of his life okay like and and i don't want to make it sound like this is like something important because covering baseball is not important okay Mm -hmm. it's not important However, it's not meaningless either. Yeah. Okay? Like for some people, and, and this is how he gets through his day. Like yeah. that busts his ass all day long. He's working. Like a lot of people work all day long. This is your distraction. Like reading you is like, a, to me, that was like such an honor to be a part of somebody's distraction. Yeah. You know, like, and I didn't take it, that I did not take lightly. Like I don't take myself very seriously. Yeah. But I take that seriously because if you're going to give me the time, I'm going to work my ass off for you. I'm going to try for you. Like I'm going to try to find something that's going to make you more informed about your team. I'm going to try to find something that's going to make the experience more fun for you, or at least more illuminating for you, you know? And like, that sounds really corny, but it's the truth. Like, I mean, especially, and that is what is cool about a big mark is that it is hard to forget that Mm -hmm. on any given day. There's too many people to remind you, that it matters to them. And I think that's great. You know, makes it harder, but it's great. No, that's, no, that's like, that's a great antidote. And like, even in your time before the athletic covering the New York teams, I mean, you had the Yankees win the world series in 09, you had the Mets make the world series in 2015. And I'm just curious for you, Mark, when, when you get to cover the world series, the fall classic, where all baseball media are there, how do you find the stories that no one else does without revealing all the state secrets? Because again, it's, it's sort of like, it goes back to like the big market where everyone's there and you know, this, this is baseball's defining event and you got to produce the best content. 
I mean, you know what? There's no secrets to it. It's relationships. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, like I think everyone knows the questions that need to get asked. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. everyone knows what you, but not everybody has a person to ask them of. Not yeah. every, you know, like not everybody has people that they that they trust and they trust you and you can have that blunt conversation. Not everyone has that. Like I'll give you an example. Like you remember the 2015 World Series? Kansas City, New York. Okay, so Kansas City, New York, and Cindergard had that thing where he yeah. throws that um, oh God leadoff guy, like good player. Name escapes me now, but like it becomes a thing, right? So I'm in the dugout right after they're finished working out, and Cindergard comes jogging by. Hmm. If he doesn't know me at all, we have no relationship, and I try to stop him, he's going to run right by. That's how yeah. this works. Yeah. You know, I cover the team every day. I've dealt with him, have a relationship of some kind, right? So when I'm like, hey, I got to ask you something, he stops. Okay? So, and then he says something hilarious. You know, they, they got a problem with that. They can meet me 60 feet, six inches from, the, you know, from, from home plate right like sweet you know like i think there's only like two or three of us standing there at the time so there you go right like that that's like an example of like there's no secret here i think everyone wants to ask him what he what, what was going through his head when they fired back at him throwing at people or whatever um and so like that's not like a secret to ask that question but it's like is he gonna stop for you is he gonna like answer your question well sometimes not right and that's where that's the benefit of I was on the beat there every day as a familiar face, right? So it's going to stop. Like, and a lot of times they don't. So um, that's all it is, man. Like you, you are just leaning on the people that you've gotten to know and trust over that period of time. And uh, that's how it ends up happening a lot of the time. So you're now at the athletic as a senior writer and I'm just curious because you've, you know, you worked in newspapers before The Athletic. Did you sort of see that things in the newspaper weren't as they once were and that The Athletic as a digital operation allowed you to have more freedom to write longer, more in-depth stories compared to, let's say, the newspaper, which is often bogged down by word count, et cetera? Yeah, like, I mean, well, first of all, like, I love newspapers. I will always love newspapers. Yeah. Always. Like that. Like I think my, I get frustrated with newspapers sometimes <laughs> because I know what they can be. Hmm. Having grown up and, and, you know, in Bay Area, there was two San Francisco newspapers. We had an Oakland newspaper and a paper in my part of the East Bay. We had a paper in San Jose and I read a lot of them. Okay. And I think a good newspaper is, to me, such a huge community asset. Like it's not just, you know, some business entity. I think a great local newspaper is just as good as having great schools in your town. Like I think it is that important, okay, um, to watch what has happened with them in the last, you know, 20 years um, is truly heartbreaking. And I think by the time I'd gotten to this point in my career, having worked in newspapers for so long, like it, there was this nagging feeling always the feeling like we were getting further away from what makes them great. And, and, and that's bigger, those are bigger factors than, than individual actors in the newsroom or whatever, right? Like it's just how people consume their news, the evolution of the news cycle. It's like every break went against newspapers. So it is harder to be a good newspaper now. So coming to The Athletic, and so that all said, right, mm-hmm. all I knew, like, I mean, I'd only worked at newspapers until I came yeah. here. And so it felt like a risk. And that sounds so weird to say, because, you know, newspapers are having a tough time too. But here's this startup website that you know, I didn't really know that much about. And I knew that Kenny had come over there and like, so they were starting to get some people, but you know, the first time I heard the athletic was Sahad of Sharma. Yeah. In Chicago. Mets had come to town. So I knew Sahad of a little bit. 
you know, I saw him, like, he'd been at Prospectus, and, like, that's how I'd gotten to know him. And I'm like, hey, man, it's normal catch-up, right? How you been? Oh, I just started this new website. It's called The Athletic. It's a subscription place. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you know, like, so I'm thinking, like, oh, man, that's, you know, that doesn't sound like that's, like, a high probability to succeed. So then the next time I heard about it, or it came up, was like, hey, we're looking for, you know, we're going to start a New York site. Hmm. Um, are you interested? Like, you know, so, but yeah, all I had known again to that point was newspapers. But, you know, yeah, I think you'd mentioned it, right? Like, uh, the, it's an opportunity to do things without the constraints of a newspaper. Like, the daily, so that's a deadline, a word counts, physical space. Like, that doesn't exist online, obviously. So that was exciting but it still felt risky. And, you know, like I said, I mean, until the end, I still do. I love newspapers. I think newspapers are invaluable. It's sad what's happened to them. So it felt weird to leave it. Cause like when I started my career, I just figured like I was going to be a lifelong newspaper person. Like that was just, you know, if I was going to stay in journalism, I was going to be working for a newspaper. And so it's weird. It's still weird a little bit to not be at one, to be here. I love it here. It's great. It's everything that they said it would be. Like, I really enjoy the work I get to do. I feel really lucky, really fortunate. And, you know, my teammates here are just, like, off the charts amazing. Like, it's just incredible. And, um, you know, on top of that, like, so they're all really talented and really good at what they do. But they're even better at, like, working with you. Like, as like just as teammates, like, it's yeah. mind-blowing. So, you know, like, I, yeah, like, I love it here. I love it here. It's just, yeah, I do get sad, though, a little bit thinking about newspapers because I, I, I know what they can be. I've seen it. I remember it. And it just feels like every day it moves further away from that, which sucks. But, um, you know, really enjoying it here, though. Like, I'm glad I came. Yeah. And one of the stories that I want to spotlight that you wrote actually was a best of athletic in 2019. And it was the story on the, the under 18 U.S. national team with, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. And if anyone wants to, you know, you know, read a piece on how to write a really good in-depth lead, this is the one. It really is, you know, really, you know, sets the scene and it does a really good job. But when you approach a piece like this, like how long does it take? And just if you can walk us through from like the concept to then the publishing, if you can. Okay. So um trying to remember back this was last september so okay it was maybe a month ago a month before the piece ran or three weeks before the piece ran um so the national baseball writer like i want to take advantage of when teams come through new york mm -hmm. right like so i try to prepare and it so happened the cubbies were coming through like in a couple weeks forward so you know, like I usually try a little bit ahead of time, like pay a little closer attention to him, right? Like you try to keep keep all 30, obviously, but if you know you're going to see that group, like you kind of want to have a sense once you get to the park and when they're here for the weekend, where they're at, right? Are they playing well? They're not playing well. Who's hurt? Who's slumping? Who's hot? Blah, 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 blah. So you start reading the daily coverage. Now we're very lucky at The Athletic. Our two writers are ter they're terrific. You know, Patrick Mooney, Saad of Sharma, they're really, really good. So... I'm like on the treadmill one morning doing my normal reading, right? I read through the other game recaps. Like, all right, let's go see the Cubs stuff because they're coming through. And I, I want to say Patrick wrote some story about Nick Castellanos, okay? Hmm. In the middle of the story about Nick Castellanos, like buried in the middle of a paragraph in the middle of a story about Nick Castellanos is a reference to how he'd been some big shot youth player, like under 18 guy. He'd been one of these like, and in fact, he was so good. He was on this team with, uh, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, and then it moves on. Hmm. Like, what? Like, I'd never heard that, right? Like, and it was like 10 years ago or something, but like, I'd never heard that. Like, that's kind of fascinating. So like, I get done, I run upstairs, I'm like pouring a cup of coffee and I'm Googling it. Like, surely someone's written about this, right? I'm like, and there'd been past, like, actually there was a Sports Illustrated story that had mentioned it in the lead, but then it was like a story about something else. So it just sort of leaves it. Hmm. that was really the only thing that i saw that like addressed it specifically there again other mentions and stuff but nothing like here's what it was like so i'm like huh this is interesting like i emma span is our editor here 
Yeah. Who's like, I mean, one of the best editors I've ever worked for. Like, she's mm-hmm. brilliant, so smart, so good, knows what a story is. So like, I'm still like, I don't know if this is a story. I think it is, right? I think like my instinct is telling me this is a story. I read it by her and she's like, yeah, just do that. Like you either just like focus on that. Like yeah. she basically was just like, take whatever time you need. That story needs to run. But all right, here we go. So um, then it just became research at that point, right? Like you, who else is on this club? How do they come together? Who coached them? Like what, how much time do they actually spend together? And so I probably talked to like 16 of the kids on the team, I think 16, 17. And, and like, and that was it. Like you just, you go from there and now it just becomes like telling stories like as much as you can. Like what was, what was that like? Create a picture for me. Like, what do you remember feeling? And like, you know, it, and also remember their kids at that point. They're, these are older. Now they're like grown men. So they have a different perspective on it. You have to keep that in mind. I got lucky that there were a couple people that were, you know, one guy in particular who lived close by. So I actually was able to meet him for, for lunch and spent like an hour and a half just like talking about this stuff. And a lot of them were like that, where they're you know, happy to talk about it, right? Um, so now the Cubs come, Castellanos is there. So now I'm asking him about this and like, he's great. Like he's, you know, go to Philly and, and Bryce, I talked to Harper and, and, you know, normally they give you a certain time in a clubhouse, right? Like it's three o'clock to four, whatever it is. Four o'clock rolls around and we're still talking. He just keeps going. Like they had to shut the doors on us to, to like, for us to like stop. And wow. it's like, so there's a luck, there's a luck factor involved too. It's just, you know, Bryce happens to be really articulate. He's a good talker. And then the topic like this, like he, you know, couldn't wait because he enjoyed that time. You know, Dennis Lynn, who's our Padres writer, terrific work. Again, we talked about earlier, like why it's great to work with you. I think your teammates are great. And like, so I'm like, hey, Dennis, like I'm not going to, I can't get on a plane to go to see Manny, obviously, and like, and turn around that fast. But do you think you could pull him aside? And like, because he's Dennis and he's great. Like, you know, it was like, dude, no problem. I got you, you know? So like, he's like leaning on a relationship and he's like, man, he was great. You know, like, so you put all the pieces together and that's how that lead came up where yeah. these guys were sneaking out of the dorm and, and whatever. And it's like, just you piecemeal this. And like you, but like, I wouldn't know what that meant or to even ask that question of Bryce Harper had I not talked mm-hmm. to like 10 guys before that was describing to me the setup which is basically they're in like this town in venezuela and you know it's like kind of like a dangerous place in some ways right so that's what they were told stay in your dorm actually a lot of what they're doing now right stay in the hotel while they're telling them as kids and and, you know these two guys are hungry in the middle of the night and like screw it let's go so it's manny machado and bryce harper running around unsupervised in Barquisimeto, Venezuela, you know, to go look for food on the street. Like, had to go over a wall, had to go past security. Like, I mean, <laughs> crazy. And, like, so, yeah, like, it, you know, I guess, like, that, to me, the story resonated in a lot of ways. Like, not only because, like, it's those two guys, right? But I think it's one of the things, like, to me, that makes a great story, like, a story that's really fun, is when you can read that and let you, as a reader, it speaks to something maybe you experienced, right? And, and I think a lot of people remember being young and being somewhere new and making decisions like that. And you look back at it later, you're like, oh, that was probably not the smartest thing to do. But at the time, you're just, you're young and it's fun and it's exciting and you were hungry. <laughs> and so you go at two o'clock in the morning to you know, the street food guy in, in, in this foreign country when you're not supposed to. So um, yeah, like it, so that took like three weeks, like just doing all those interviews, whatever, um, waiting for the Cubs to come to town, getting down to Philly to talk to Harper. Um, yeah, I like got lucky because those guys were great. And you know, that was probably the most fun I had working on a story last year. Yeah, and like it was a great story. And, and, and anyone who subscribed to the Athletic should definitely read it. And I, and I just think it's just an example of the kinds of stories that are, that are on the Athletic right now. It just speaks to our previous point about just you know having that freedom to, to do certain stories that go beyond 
the box score and the outcome. They're, they're people's stories. And I think that's, it resonates with readers, I think, more so. Like, I mean, obviously, there's people that want to read about their team and whatnot, but you can really capture a moment like that and paint a picture and, and tell a really unique story that no one else clearly had told. It definitely has an impact. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's the most, it's one of the most fun things of the job, for sure, is that, you know, I guess that when I was on the beat, that was a frustrating part, that you'd run across something and know that you weren't going to have time to lean into it, right? Like you, like, let's say, let's say I was still on the beat and heard that and then, and, and like caught, caught wind of that and like saw that no one really written it. And like, it would be the most frustrating feeling because then I knew that either I would just have to work all the time for like three weeks straight to get it done. Or like, I would just have to be not as good at what I was doing every day, which sucks. Like that's, you never want to do that. So the more likely outcome is that it doesn't get done. So yeah, like that is like, the, this is the total opposite of that. Now it's like, you've got the time, you better make it count. Like there's a pressure to that too. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to put that much time and effort into something like you need to make it as good as you can possibly make it. Um, and so, yeah, that's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. So, um, you know, I feel lucky to be able to like have chances to do that. Believe me, like it's rare and I know it's rare. Um, and I'm like, I, I'm just, I cannot express how lucky I feel mm -hmm. to, to have an opportunity like that. Cause honestly, it's like, you know, in that regard, it's like the job I always wanted. Like you, you, most people don't get a chance to do something they dream of doing. And like, I'm doing it now. And it's like, I, I am thankful for it every day. Believe me. It's like, like, I can't believe it most of the time. I really yeah. can't. Crazy. Yeah, and like, and yeah, yeah, like, no, no, and like, it, it's great that honesty, and like you mentioned earlier, just like, and I feel like especially with the MLB vertical at the Athletic, like you have Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, you have yourself and Andy McCullough, but then you have younger writers as well, you know, younger great writers. I know Caitlin McGrath's been on this show, Alex Coffey's been on this show as well, covering the Blue Jays and the A's respectively. So it's just, it's just a great pool of the best in the bit you know some of the best in the business and it also just motivates you as you said earlier to be like okay like if someone else is doing well i gotta step up my game to be really really good so it's so it's makes it a, must be a fun place to work well that's you know so you mentioned those names right like what uh, okay you mentioned uh, caitlin mcgrath caitlin mcgrath is a really good at research mm -hmm. and i was working a piece that had to do with the blue jays and Toronto baseball like two months ago and Caitlin saved my ass like you know <laughs> like went and did some research that like would have taken me way longer and I wouldn't have done as well and like gladly did it she's just like oh, I love this I got you. you know like what do you got what do you need and like within like a couple hours like it was like everything I could have like hoped for it was like oh my god great so like you know like kind of taught me a couple things in that regard so like uh she's great. Like you mentioned Kenny and Jason, like that's like almost cheating. To yeah. have, like, you know, like of course. I, I this problem with the story. Hey, what does Ken think? What does Jason think? Like, and the fact that like I shoot a text over to them and now we're on the phone and is like, I've got them. Yeah. That, that, like that's stupid. Right. Yeah. Like, these people are so good. And it's like, you know, and they've been so generous with what they know and with their time you know, both of them, um, you know, Andy, I've known for so long, like, like, I mean, to be able to like write something and send it to someone like Andy and just be like, Hey, like, is this like stupid or is this fine? And like, know that you're going to get an honest appraisal is invaluable. So, you know, like, eh, yeah, we have, and it's like, we have all these younger people that are like, you know, early in their careers are really good. And it's like, I feel like I learned so much from them, you know, like, I mean, I was like texting with Lindsay Adler, our Yankees yeah. writer, about something like a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I was like, oh, I got this issue. I don't know how to work around it. And she's like, oh, yeah, do this, this, and this. Like, <laughs> Whoa. You know, like. The youth, I, man, they have the answers. <laughs> like, I mean, so, like, that's the thing. Like, if, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've never worked somewhere like that where there's so many people. Fabian was the same way. Like, yeah. I got well, Dennis Lynn. Um, you know, Tolentino when he was covering the Rays. Like, I mean, you, you would just talk to these people and you'd learn 
something from them. Alex Coffey is the same way. Like Alex Coffey and I will just geek out about something we read. Mm-hmm. And, and like hearing from her as to why something works is interesting. I learned something from that. I gained something from that. So um, yeah, like that, that part, like I, I've never experienced anything like that. I probably never will again, um, you know, just because it's, it's such a really neat time that we're in at this company and um to have that many resources it's just like i said it's like cheating like i mean it's like cheating man like <laughs> it's That's stupid awesome. how often i'll ask kenny a question and like he'll just say something and it's like like what are you doing you know like stark same thing you know like stark will point something out and it's just like shit like i didn't even like conceive of that you know wouldn't even think of it and now it's like that's a thing i've learned that's a thing i'll do moving forward and it's only because someone like Jason Stark was kind enough to be like, hey, maybe you should consider this. It might help, you know? And that happens so often here. It's amazing. Last question for you, Mark. And, and, and again, really grateful for, for, for your time and all the, and, and all the insight. But I, I ask this of often my sports media guests. And, and let's face it. I mean, for young people, it's, it's a tough industry. It's compared to when, to when you first broke in, particularly – the pandemic doesn't help things at the moment, but I'm just curious what your advice is to someone looking to break into the industry and, and try to find their path where there aren't many jobs. Let's be honest. Yeah, man. It's so, it's so tough. Like it's, it's hard to answer that only because I don't even know what the world looks like in that spot anymore. Yeah. It'd be like, if, to use a baseball analogy, it'd be like asking a veteran player about a minor league system that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And that's like, so I came up through the minor league system that really doesn't exist anymore. Like yeah. small newspapers that, that where you would get your chance. Like we're talking about earlier, you make your mistakes. Those jobs don't exist anymore. Like my first editor was like a dude with like a gray beard who'd seen everything. Okay. Like had seen everything. I was covering cops and fires and like that kind of stuff and like he could hear a police scanner and like know by some but the pitch of a voice whether that was worth to go to the scene or not and like those people don't exist in the newsroom anymore in fact that newsroom doesn't exist anymore a lot of times so when i get asked like advice like it's tough so i try to stay away from like really specific advice and go with i guess like broader things that i think would help and so one of them is to know what you don't know. Can't emphasize it enough. Like, you know, I guess we talked about that, like the insecurity that you have when you're first getting in, where you got to show everybody that you're on top of it. Like, don't bother. Like, you're, first of all, you're not fooling anyone. Like, right? Like when you're new at something, everyone that's done it for a while, they all know. So who are you fooling? Okay. Everyone, but you're, you're fooling yourself. And if you're fooling yourself, then you can't get better. So like, you know, chill for a second like realizing you don't know it all that is okay all right um the second thing like okay so i guess this is writer specific this is the one that like blows my mind a little bit you know this is like the unforced error if you want to be a writer and like you tell me all about how you want to write and i ask you well who do you read and you don't have a good answer that's a problem yeah like if you want to write read okay read if you want to be on TV, then watch it like a professional. Try to watch it like a pro. Not like someone who's enjoying it in the audience, but like sit there, take notes, find out what it is that these people are doing on the air that works. Um, every observation counts. Like you, you know what I mean? That's what it takes. Like beyond everything else is that you, you know, it's one thing to be I want to do this, I want to do that, but you got to go do it, right? And if it's, if it's writing that you want to do, then reading is where you start. Before you even write, you got to read. You know, like I think a lot of times that's making opportunities on your own, right? So whether it's catching on with a site that's looking for freelancers or whatever, like you want to maximize every shot that you can get. Take it like this is a rep. Sometimes you have to do a job you don't want to do, right? But it's a rep. So make, make the value out of that, right? Um, I don't envy people trying to break in though. Like it's like, it feels impossible. And you know, I I hate it. Like I, I hate the fact that there are a lot of talented people out there that like, you know, aren't getting the chances they used to. Right. 
But <clears throat> I will say, um, you know, it's not impossible because it, it is still a business in which if it, if it shows that you care that much, if it shows that you've put in time, um, those people, like, they get lucky. Like, you know, like, look, you can't control luck, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I, there's nothing that I did that, like, caused me to get this lucky. I know that, okay? Now, that said, okay, there is a small portion where you can make your own luck. And so if you're breaking in now, like that's where my focus is. It's like, what are these things where I can kind of make my own luck? And one of them is if you want to be a writer, read a lot, right? Like it doesn't take any talent at all. It doesn't take any like heavy lifting at all, but it's, it's shocking how many people say, I want to be a writer and they don't read, right? Like, so, you know, and not just read, but read stuff that you want to write, right? Like, not, don't just read whatever. Like, read the stuff that inspires you. Like, there's still, like, four or five things that I go back to all the time. Like, when I'm feeling like I'm not writing as well as I want to, or I really struggled through a couple stories, and, and I go right back to them, okay? They're, like, my standbys. They're my guides. And I think if you want to be a writer, you need to get to the point where, you know what that is for you, all right? Work on the craft of writing. Like, I, I think that's important. Like, everyone wants to be an insider, right? Like, everyone, like, and, and, but the only way to do that is to, like, is put time and energy into, like, knowing people. That's a whole different skill. But, like, sometimes it's, if you want to really write, like, to just find shit that you want to read and read the hell out of it. Read it all the time. Figure out why it works, right? Like, take it apart. Take it apart and find out why did you stop when you hit that line? Why did you laugh? Why did you think? What, what did you feel? How did that writer create that? Because it was created. Like, that didn't just happen. And I think that's one of the coolest things about it. Like it did, that was not an accident that you keep going back to that story. So figure it out, right? Take it apart, figure it out. And, like, you put that work in, it becomes apparent. That's how you make your own luck, right? Mm. You, if you put that time and energy in and it comes down to three people for that gig, the person that, make that, that is making that hire, if it's a place where you want to work, they're going to see it. And like, you know, I, I would just encourage you to, to put the energy there and see what happens, you know. Unfortunately, it is a tough deal, right? Like, there's a lot of chance. And, like, and I could go on and on about how lucky I got. I mean, I, and I mean that, like, just like right place, right time. Like the ball bounced my way and like, I don't know why, but it did. All right. So it takes that too, but it's not all of that. Right. So, um, you know, it's very simple. Know what you don't know. If you want to be a writer, then that means you need to be a reader. Find something you like to read um, and, and, and do it often because it is, to use your word, they're reps, mm-hmm. right? Get your reps and, um, you know, Maybe you catch a break, and that would be great. Mark Carrig, he is a senior MLB writer for The Athletic. With This episode was absolutely fantastic. Mark, thanks so much for joining me today on the Wii Sports Chronicles, and all the best to you for the rest of this MLB season. I appreciate it, Lucas. It was fun chatting with you, man. Take care.